Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. My guest today is Bob Lockett, Chief Diversity and Talent Officer at ADP. He's responsible for the company's diversity and talent strategy and oversees performance management, leadership development, engagement and culture, among other things. We're going to talk a lot about data and its relationship with DEI from helping determine where a company's at to initiating new programs. That's on this edition of People Tech. Bob, welcome. It's great to meet you. So how does one attack the task of leading on diversity for a company the size of ADP? Well, you know, Mark, the first thing I'll tell you, it's a very challenging task. Uh, because you have so many different constituents that are, and everybody wants their own piece of the pie. You know, what about us? What about us? And what about us? And so, and, and as you can imagine, DEI is a very emotional topic for that reason. So the approach that I've taken, uh, that we've taken at ADP is really, you know, tied to doing a couple of things. Number one is using the scientific method. You know, that thing, Mark, that we learned about back in middle school that many of us did those experiments, you just say, develop your hypothesis, you know, and then from the hypothesis, you allow data to prove or disprove your beliefs. And so, and then you, you know, once you do that, then you really define the problem. And after you define that problem, then, you know, you start to put plans in place to achieve the outcomes and you sort of tweak as you go as needed based on feedback. So what we've done is taking that exact approach and said, let's take the emotion out of it as best we can. Let's focus on the data and let the data be our guiding light to help us understand where we need to focus and what we need to do. Now, this doesn't just apply from a US standpoint. Think about this. This is a global opportunity that we sort of embarked upon. And the way I view it is there are needs everywhere for people to feel like they are seen, valued, and heard for all that they are. So not only do we think about diversity, and you can measure diversity very easily, okay? You can look at, you know, demographic data. How many of these do you have? How many of those do you have? You can measure equity by looking at pay, but the key is also to measure inclusion. So we take this holistic approach, all data-driven. You know, the inclusion piece is all, is all sentiment-driven, but uh, it's really leveraging the scientific method and leveraging data to help tell our story. Can you can you expand a bit on how data is used in DEI work? I mean, you, you mentioned that this is a, a pretty emotional subject, and it it always strikes me as interesting when it's when you um, apply data to an emotional subject. You know, how do they mm-hmm. how do they work together? So, can you talk about that? Sure, uh, you know, and I you know I, I can tell you the stories of how we sort of landed where we are with some of our you know things. So. The first thing that we did as an organization, when I took over the role, I wanted to understand um, how we how we looked because I have a vision that our company, uh, their associate population in our company, is reflective of the communities in which we operate and the clients that we serve, and that's very specific and very clear. So, so how do you test that? Your hypothesis about that, and how do you make it a realistic vision? Well, we went to you know we look at about three or four different data sets. One data set was the, you know, was the census data. 
And as you know, the census data doesn't mean that everybody's doing uh, working. So we looked at the census data and say, what's the representation for African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, white women, everybody in our organization? And let's lay that out to understand it. Then we looked at uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics data. Okay, so of the people in the workforce, excuse me, let's take a look at how they, you know, how that compares. And then let's compare that against our information. And so we compared it against our information, and I'm talking specifically in the U.S., and said, huh, where do we have gaps? And what we found was, you know, um, my hypothesis was, was that we didn't look like, you know, the communities in America. Uh, but the reality of it was it, we did. And so I was really impressed. I was like, wow, this is great news. But as you look at the data, we also found that, but when you look up in the organization, you don't have parity in representation for two populations in particular, which were African-Americans and Hispanics. We said, you know, you know, they represent, you know, 15% of the overall workforce in, in the U.S. for Hispanics. And let's say it was 11% for African-Americans. Well, we noticed a gap in our company of about 4% uh, percentage points each way for African-Americans and Hispanics. Um, and we said, well, we should close that gap. Because as you come to an organization, you also want to be able to see if there are opportunities for you to advance. And if you don't see anyone that looks like you in senior level, in you know management level positions, then you know you you know you start to wonder if you have a real future there. So that was our quest, and this is how we use data to really understand and tell our story, and to put plans in place to do it. And I noticed the nuance here because. Again, if you go back to my original hypothesis that we didn't look like like that, we did. But then we pivoted very quickly because the data told us a different story. And we said, that's where we're going to focus our efforts. Now, some people use, Mark, um, data to try and boil the ocean. You can't do everything. You can't be all things to all people. You know, that is a, a recipe for failure, particularly in DEI. And so that's why we have a very narrow focused approach. And we have multiple initiatives that we work on. But suffice it to say that that was our main effort um, for the, you know, for us to be able to say we're moving the needle when it comes to leadership representation in our company. Now, do you think um, your company is an outlier in that, or do you think that more corporations are starting to get on board with the idea of using data, you know, in this regard? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a mixed bag. Mark is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, most organizations will take a look at their data uh, and they'll focus on where they think their opportunities are. But it depends on where they are in their journey, their DEI journey, which I always talk about that not everybody's at the same place. For us, I believe we're an outlier. We're an outlier because we, you know, if you think about DEI, it's one of our values, right? The things that really resonate in our organization is that each person counts. And in order for each person counts, by default, you have to have a DEI strategy. Some organizations uh, don't put as much interest or effort into it. Uh, so they're at varying stages. And some, you know, it's a, it, it became a great corporate buzzword two years ago. Prior to that, many organizations weren't making headway with respect to that. So my belief is we're certainly an outlier with our use of data. And of course, Mark, that is our middle name. So we use data to make sure that we can tell our story, to solve the problem, to understand all of those things. 
And we're all about measuring success. How do you measure the effectiveness of what you're doing? So having said that, I think we're a bit of an outlier. I think there are other organizations that are doing great things, but I think there are some that are not doing anything because they don't know where to start. And if that's a challenge for them, you know, then you know, a great place to start is understand your data at least, and then think about where you want to have an impact. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Um, can you think of any particularly surprising things that you've learned from data? You know, I, I, I can give you a couple of examples, I, I think, that I think we've learned. Number one is that it's never enough. And here's what I mean. And, you know, we have to put plans in place to do this. So as soon, once we launched our, I'll just give you this example, Mark, we launched our talent task force and it was a specific focus on the African-American and Hispanic slash Latino community. Well, as soon as we put that out, the first question that came was, hey, what about the Asian community? I said, huh, I've got a story for you. Asians represent, you know, you know 5% of our population, but yet they represent 8% of leadership. So there's no problem there. Then the next call came from the LGBTQ plus community. And I said, huh, tell me what the data says. The reason we couldn't make a decision and put a plan in place to improve representation for, the, for that community is because we didn't have any data. So that's one of the things that will surprise you about data when you don't have enough of it. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to sort of do these things, which is back to my point about people get involved in this. And they want to represent their constituents. But at the same time, without the data, they can't, you know, you can't get involved and create corporate programs to sort of improve something. Um, The second piece still ties to self-ID. So if you take this to a global scale, so typically in in numerous countries, they don't collect the same data that we do in the U.S. They don't collect it because their philosophies are different, could vary country to country. However, there's renewed emphasis on understanding uh, your workforce and being inclusive. So just imagine, you know, you, you're a multinational corporation and you don't understand the dynamics that exist in operating in Tunisia uh, or the dynamics that exist in operating in France or Italy uh, and who the underrepresented groups are. So we're trying to capture new data so that's one of the surprising things is that, you know, we're beginning a journey globally to sort of do a self-ID approach that I think, and it's not just us, by the way, there are multiple companies now showing renewed interest in this to say, how do we understand our workforce and how do we become more inclusive so we can uh, appeal to the needs of various communities where we operate? Um are you satisfied with the kind of data that's available to you today? Um, what, could, or what could be better? 
Yeah, I'm in a unique position, uh, Mark, and I tell people this all the time. At ADP, because we're a data company, again, it's in our middle name, I have the unique opportunity that we have our own sort of um, you know, department that does all the analytics, pulls the data, does the comparative analysis, the sensitivity analysis to whatever we want to do. Now, for companies that don't have that, we do have, you know, uh, you know, sort of a diversity dashboard that gives them insights into their own information that they may not have thought about before. They may not have the luxury of having, you know, sort of a large DEI department like we do. They may not have the luxury of having the analytic capability, but we can provide them with some insights about how their organization looks, what their leadership makeup is. And oh, by the way, uh, with pay equity too, we can take a look at that data as well. So I think I'm in an enviable position. I've got all the data that I need. The key is for me is staying focused and executing to ensure that we make a difference uh, with our DEI efforts. And you know, what are your overall, <clears throat> excuse me, what are your overall goals for your DEI efforts? I mean, what kind of changes are you hoping to enable or enact? And what has to happen for you to be able to get there? Yeah, it's a great question, Mark. So I'll go back to my vision, uh, the vision that we want our associate population to be re reflective of the communities in which we operate and the clients that we serve. That is the, the most important thing because I believe that, you know, the efforts that we take to do that will have a great you know, sort of um, cyclical impact on the environment. Here's what I mean. Uh, I'm not in the DEI business because I'm a social justice warrior. I'm in the DEI business because I believe that there are economic opportunities in a capitalistic society that we can get everyone to participate in and grow the pie. I firmly believe that. But it's in many cases, it starts with employment. So what do we do as part of our DEI, some of the work that we're doing? Well, we want to hire in those various communities. We have outreach efforts to every community uh, to make sure that we're attracting the best and the brightest for our organization. Okay. Then, of course, once you get there, you've got to, you know, you have to walk the talk. So culture is really important, Mark, in this space to ensure that if you said you're going to do it, then you have to, you know, do it. My saying is don't talk about it. You have to be about it. And so if you're about what you said you are by bringing everybody together and giving everybody an opportunity so they can be the true authentic selves, then that makes a tremendous difference, okay? So that's the, the talent piece of it, getting them in, giving them the opportunities to grow and develop, um, and then seeing them get promoted and be able, being able to contribute. Now, I also talk about DEI from a business practice standpoint. Oftentimes in the past, organizations that I've worked for, DEI was all about some of the HR practices, which I just talked about briefly. It was all about talent practices. But I also incorporate business practices. Business practices are, you know, are really about, well, how do we tap into the ecosystem of businesses and communities? Because in oftentimes you have underserved communities that don't have the same opportunities to understand things. I'll give you an example. We have a, a company that we partner with that, you know, she, what the founder shared with us was the fact that for many minority-owned businesses, they only have one way to finance their business. That's through loans from family members or debt. So they don't get the full spectrum of how to do revenue-based financing for their business or how to think about, you know, the debt market very differently. 
that others have had exposure and access to. So giving them exposure and access to the full gamut is really important. And, but that also requires some education. So we partner with organizations to do that just so businesses can finance it. Now, selfishly, uh, because I am a capitalist, uh, I believe that we should be able to capture some of that market. We should be able to say, if, you know, we'll help them. You know, there's no guarantee that they're going to come back, nor is there an expectation. But just, just imagine if we're the ones that help them understand, you know, how to run payroll. I said, we want you to focus on your business. If you make pizzas or if you, make, you have a, a restaurant, we want you to focus on what you do best and let us do what we do best, which is run payroll, help you do time and attendance and help you with all of those other things. That's what we do. And so I think it's important for us to extend our reach into the you know, you know, underserved communities such that we can help you know, raise the tide for all boats. You know? And that's the really the, the impetus here. Say, so if we do this the right way, DEI becomes much more holistic. So it's focused on you know, the economic empowerment. If you do that by getting people great jobs, what do they do? Well, they go spend money uh, in their communities. And if they spend money in their communities, businesses grow. And if businesses grow, for us, it's a great thing because that means you have more people to pay from your payroll systems and the like. And so this, this ecosystem approach that I think is really critical and important when we think about DEI. Now, um, the other piece, uh, Mark, that I'll share with you about DEI is, you know, I'll, I'll share two other um, avenues of this. One is the environment. And our environmental practices now have become relevant in the you know, sort of DEI equation. And let me just, let me back up and give you the, you know, the, the broader view. Most companies talk about ESG, environmental, social, and governance. The environmental piece is really critical. That's where you have, you know, what are you going to do for greenhouse gas um, emission reduction? This S is all DEI, and the G is board governance or governance of whatever programs uh, that you take a look at. So that's something else you have to consider as you think about DEI. And we have practices to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The good news for us is that we don't uh, manufacture anything. You know, our probably our you know facilities and employees driving to work are our most you know our largest contributors to this. But what we also focus on is well, what can we do uh, to meet targets, and we put together plans to do that. The last thing I'll mention is what we're doing as an organization to make a difference from, you know, as we think about DEI and uh, the like, is we have uh, at the ADP Foundation, we make contributions to a variety of uh, or 501c3s or nonprofits to help support them in the communities in which they operate. So there's this holistic view that we have about we can do well and do good at the same time. Bob, thanks very much. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. My guest today has been Bob Lockett, Chief Diversity and Talent Officer at ADP. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts, to see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcast.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com.
Facebook.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.